Hello, everybody, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Let's Talk Assassin's Creed, your number one podcast for all things Assassin's Creed. We are back once again for another deep dive into one of the main games in the series, and today we're going to be talking about what what I would consider probably the most important game in the franchise, and that is Assassin's Creed Origins, as ever, Declan's here with me, and we're going to get right into it today, I think. No. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> I was just testing my mic was working. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> oh, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, and I've been preparing. I've been playing more Origins this week. Any excuse to play Origins? I don't need exactly. an excuse. <laughs> oh, it's sunny outside. Better play some Origins. Exactly. <laughs> I think we've both been looking forward to this one, haven't we? Uh, yeah. Um, Origins holds a very um, special place in my heart because it was the last gift, main gift I got off my partner's Nana before she passed away. So it's very, it's a Hold special place for me the game. Yeah, so it's why don't we just get straight into it? What give me your opening thoughts on Origins? Opening thoughts is for once in my entire life as an Sasquatch fan, I found a game that I cannot fault. I really cannot. I don't think the leveling's a problem. I don't think the world's a problem. I it only got tedious when I was chasing the platinum trophy, but when you're chasing platinums, it's gonna get tedious. Yeah, I think for the most so, part they're, they're supposed to be tedious, aren't they? But <laughs> that's yeah, it's there's the achievement of getting it. It should, it's generally nine times out of ten anyway. It's difficult and it's frustrating. But if you're not chasing it, it's a flawless game for me personally. I I would find it very hard to disagree with you. Um, you know, it was such a pleasant... It, you could definitely feel... It felt like a game that they'd had an extra year to work on. And that, you know, immediately shows... Because essentially, this is this is a completely different game. This is not yeah. the Assassin's Creed we're used to. And the series is much better for it. Can't you know, I, on think, that one. I think the series had got to a point. It had probably got to a point a few games previous, but they, I don't think Ubisoft quite realised it, where it needed kind of a shot of adrenaline to really, you know, mix it up a bit, change things, make it different. It's especially you know when you get these big RPGs come out with high, you know, I guess gamers are looking for a more I guess challenging experience um, with, with the best one in the world. Assassin's Creed games of previous have, have always been kind of in, you know really easy. They've never pushed pushed me or many other people to the kind of limits of what my gaming ability is. You know, I kind of screw that, especially with the um, puppeteer <coughs> mechanics of all. That was very holdy handy. You. 
you knew that if you pressed RT, it's going to flash up with what um, R2 does, you know, like the free running. Um, you know, in combat, it's going to tell you in the upper-hand corner, press circle to counter, X to attack. Everything was just, hold my hand, we'll do it for you. In this game, it's not like that anymore. It's just a complete overhaul. And truth to say, I disagree with people saying it, but I can see the perspective. This is not an Assassin's Creed game that we're used to. But as you said in the start, I do agree this is where it should be because this is RPG mechanics they've been alluding to since the um, inventory system and money management 2 to Unity's open world uh, gear system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's it's the kind of game that changes the franchise in such a way. You know, it's just it was just completely different, and you know we knew straight away from kind of the initial gameplay trailers that this was a completely different beast that we were working with. But it's still it's not an Assassin's Creed game as we've come to know them. That doesn't necessarily suggest it's a bad thing. Quite frankly, the opposite. It was brilliant. You know, that it wasn't like the Assassin's Creed we were used to. Because I think we were getting a bit bored of the Assassin's Creed we'd got used to. I know I was. Uh, it's not to say I didn't. Uh, I yeah, it's not to say I didn't enjoy them. It just was all getting a bit okay. It's just the same game with a different skin now. I think the best bit of our origins, and because we can sit here for ages and discuss what they've changed, but when you look at how Assassin's Creed has always evolved, they're always changing. But one thing they've rarely ever changed, but obviously did, and that is the law they never change the law and i know this isn't a show about the law this is just a game but it's important in this aspect because the fundamental difference is in this game we're always playing as somebody's memories mm. your genetic yeah. memories where this time around we're giving a new protagonist who has the ability to use her animus training through abstergo to build an animus that can now live someone else's DNA memories. This changes the series in the future in a huge way because now we're no longer tied down with linear storytelling because you no longer have to be related to that assassin. You can be any assassin in mm. the world. And that is fundamentally important for the series going forward. Yeah, certainly groundbreaking from a law perspective. I, I think yeah, it felt like that it needed to happen I think when obviously the whole Desmond storyline concluded it seemed like they were kind of stuck in a place where they didn't really know what to do with it yeah because you'd have to continue, you'd have to get new um, protagonists and follow his ancestry line and it's probably just going to get as repetitive as the Desmond storyline. Yeah, uh, so I think it, there was probably a bit, like a couple of games there, where there was a bit of a kind of identity crisis in terms of that side of things. Um, and this was kind of, I think this they finally got to a point here where, like you said, they really kind of changed, they effectively changed how just how we thought it worked. Really, which was interesting. Which... And confusing. Yeah, it was confusing. <laughs> I was confused. I, I still am. I've done a ton of research on 
what Layla can do with the Animus. And last time we saw someone tinker with the Animus was Rebecca Crane from, I think it was Brotherhood or mm. Two, no Brotherhood when you escape, and she was able to add the virtual training room. Um, there was the glyph puzzles that were part of it, and I think that was the only time we've ever seen the Animus slightly change. Other than that, it's just been a VR gaming experience from the mm. Templars. Which is kind of weird. <laughs> it is strange, but there you go. We've come to expect strange with Assassin's Creed by now, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. If you, don't, if you don't get strange in this, I mean, everyone kind of forgets it is a historical backdrop of a game, but there's Isu, the first civilization, which exists thousands of years before humans. Well, that's supernatural right mm-hmm. there. Their science is, a better word, is godly compared to ours. Their genome is clusters Isu Divinius, which Divinius is Latin for divine, which is godlike. So <laughs> we're already down the rabbit hole of odd right now. <laughs> so, we're two seconds into the conversation. Yeah, and let's not, you know, ignore the supernatural kind of sci-fi best outfit ever in an Assassin's Creed game in the Isu armor. Ooh, I love that. Just a joy to look at every time. I don't know if, if we're going if we're just quickly looking at armor. The um oh Anubis armor from the uh, Animus glitch, that was the best armor. It had like smoke and everything. Yeah, yeah you are that was that was decent. That was decent. So, should we talk about gameplay? And... Yeah, definitely. I think we can't talk about Origins without talking about the combat. Oh, I agree there. Some, a new hitbox-style combat. Yeah, I think it was kind of, for me anyway, kind of far and away the biggest, not necessarily in scope, but in terms of what it meant for the series, the biggest change I think we, you know, we kind of muddled through with this parry block counter system since the game's first, you know, since Assassin's Creed One. It had also, you know, it almost it was just muscle memory. You know, even when I saw what they were changing, I still assumed at first thought that the combat was just going to stay the same. But boy, was I wrong! Oh, I think when I got the game and I loaded it up. And we got to that first boss mini battle with the dude. I was trying to mash com counter. <laughs> and to see Bayek rolling on the floor, I had to stop and Google the controls properly. <laughs> uh, this is no lie, guys. I actually Googled the controls to figure out what they did and remap them. Because I know you can remap some of them to make square for light because it made more sense because of what I've been used to. I couldn't press the triggers for heavy and light. Still can't on Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm struggling. Well, I mean, it just like, immediately, you know, felt completely different from anything we've, you know, we've done in a Assassin's Creed game so far, just because of how it, it's been, it, you could tell this combat had been reworked from the ground up. You know, and it's kind of like they went a la kind of, you know, Dark Souls, 
Bloodborne style general RPG style of combat. Um, obviously, but a lot it's a more accessible combat than Dark Souls. I, I'm not ashamed to admit that I am god awful. <laughs> At Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Sekiro, I just can't. I do not have the patience. <laughs> I am terrible at those games. I love to watch them because I think artistically they're brilliant. <laughs> but and this was a, more of a, a nicer jumping in point to that kind of combat for me. And then there's me who's beat Bloodborne twice now. <laughs> oh, I've, so I've, I, completed, Bloodborne, I've completed Bloodborne. But I hate, I Dominic. hate, I hated it. I hated every. I, I love the game. It's weird. I love it, but I hated my whole experience. I much prefer watching someone else play. Now imagine an Assassin's Creed game. I know this is slightly a topic, guys, but it's just popping in my head <laughs> with Bloodborne and Dark Soul mechanics. If you do not one shot a dude, you're dead. Mm. <laughs> stealth, <laughs> stealth is so key that if you are caught out in the open, you are. Screw. <laughs> anyways back on yeah. topic <laughs> i just think the thing they did right with the combat is is as it should be and as it is kind of i guess in you know in a real life scenario combat is a constant kind of decision making process you know and the game's so much kind of richer for it you know it's all about you know knowing when to block, when to dodge, when to parry, you know, when to strike. Do you just try and, you know, do some single target damage on one guy or do you try and get a bit of kind of cleave damage or, you know, so you can get multiple enemies in? And it, you know, it's also, you know, you've got to weigh up your attacks as well. If I attack here, I'm going to be vulnerable from this angle. And it's all happening, you know, 100 miles an hour in your head. But that makes the combat so much more satisfying when... It does when you win. And I think for me, it's all the combat on top of that is back in the Assassin's days of old, I know Origins takes the backseat in stealth at times. It still has it, but it's not as focused as the other games. But in the other games, if you messed up stealth, combat was just fine. You stood in a square and you just basically mashed the buttons to death. But sometimes playing this in the wrong area, if you screw up stealth, you're either going to get jumped by 10 of them or you're going to find yourself in a sticky position that you cannot escape from. So sometimes stealth is the better option and it feels more weighty to do stealth than it is to do single-handed combat. Yeah. And I just I just think it was so, it was so refreshing because um, kind of as I've said to you, uh, Obviously, I wasn't on last week's one, unfortunately, but it's, you know, Syndicate was the first game that I didn't buy on release. I still haven't bought it. I've played it and completed it, but it just, it was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And then to get this, it felt like, it felt like they were repaying a lot of faith that had been given in Ubisoft for a few years now without much reward this was the ultimate payoff. It was kind of like, if I had to go through that to get this, it was worth it. When I saw a lot of the E3 gameplay and the trailers, I am going to hand on heart admit that I didn't like it. I, and I think that's because 
the game was never verbally, and I'm unhappy that they haven't because they really need to do it, is they never openly have admitted that it's a soft reboot. This is what the game technically mm. is. It's a soft reboot. And when I watched what they were doing, I honestly thought to myself, this isn't Assassin's Creed. This is something worse. It's not going to fit properly. The story's going to be off. But when you actually get your hands on it, and I think for me, and this is very weird, it was in the first opening cutscenes with Bayak talking to uh, the I forgot his name. And when he says all those lines, you just suddenly you're drawn into the story, and especially you can see the anger in Bayak, and you kind of think, This is a character I want to get invested in. And then as you play and you feel it, you kind of feel like this is more Assassin's Creed than I've actually played since the stories of Ezio. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm one of these people that doesn't say Ezio's story is the best because I think there's been other good stories. But to me, Origins felt like perfect. The story was full of emotion, tension. Bayek was a character you wanted to get involved with. And the last character I wanted to fully invest in would have been Ezio and Edward. They were the only ones I wanted to invest Mm. in. Connor, I didn't mind. Arno was iffy. And Jacob and Evie... I got confused because I didn't know which one I should invest in. But with Bayak, I just wanted to be his life. And that's what Origins gave us. It didn't give us a linear memory. It gave us a life to live. Yeah, I mean, the the kind of, it really drew me in, kind of just outside of kind of the Assassin's Creed kind of lore of the actual game itself. Just kind of being this, you know, protector of the people, you know, one of the last uh, Magi, you know, it, you you feel like you're a massive part of these, everyone in this world, you know, it's you're a fighter for the lower classes and, you know, it's, I don't know, it just felt like so much freedom, like, to actually feel like the character. You know, he's, I do agree there. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I just felt, I felt so connected to Bayek as a person. You know, kind of like a real. He's really compassionate, but bold. And there's obviously this revenge story at the side of it, but also, you know, helping the people as is his duty as a Medjay. You know, it was a real joy to go on this journey with Bayek. And it just flowed really nicely. I think that's why I was <coughs> never quite in the story where you start to think, well, why is this happening now? You know, mm. he didn't go out in search of uh, each order of ancients on a, just a... It started off as a revenge quest for his son, which kind of affected me a bit because I'm a dad myself, so I could invest in that side. Mm. He starts getting in normally. Like, it's so linear and so... Um, I don't know how to put it, but the transition into fixing Egypt and becoming this new hidden ones to protect all of Egypt just felt so smooth how it's gone from a simple linear story of revenge to this, we've created a brotherhood and I'm starting to realise we've been down this road before. Yeah. (laughs) With Ezio. Yeah, it's it's it, one of those where it felt so different but but familiar at the same time. 
Yeah, and that's not a bad thing. I think that's where Assassin's Creed strives the best, where they give you a story that you know before, but they spin it so better that you just want to keep playing. And I'm really glad with this one that they finally made the decision to go kind of all in, kind of balls to the wall on kind of the RPG style. Because we've seen, we'd seen in previous games kind of, you know, being drip fed little kind of RPG elements. And there was probably kind of at the back of everyone's head, uh, what, did, are they actually going to go for it or are they just going to keep doing this? And they really kind of went for it. You know, it's, you know, you had the talent trees, you know, a real strong kind of XP based progression system, which is, you know, commonplace in RPGs, but, you know, this was one of the best ones I'd seen. Um, but also, you know, the, the unlocks that you cater to your playstyle. You know, if you want to play a bit more stealthy, there's obviously the abilities that give you bonuses for doing it stealth or being better at stealth. Range, you know, controlling your arrows in the air, or if, you know, you don't particularly fancy being subtle, as I generally don't, and just want to go in, and, <laughs> you know, screaming at the top of your lungs and swinging your swords. There's obviously talents and upgrades that let you do that a bit better and i think it was real you know nice to get have a, a traditional talent tree system done in an assassin's creed style that catered for different you know styles of play <clears throat> i think something else i kind of loved and you don't see it and i kind of think of some rpgs that do it but i can't off the top of my head each side quest wasn't just mundane, boring, do this, do that. It was kind of, I know a lot of them were clear or bandit camps, but a lot of times when you talk to the people about the uh, side quest, they kind of felt, what's the word, fleshed out and living. They kind of felt nice to do. I, um, especially with like, the stone circles where you relive memories with your son. You know, you didn't want to just tick them off like you would in Unity where you just tick off another icon on the map. You're doing something because there's a story behind them. There's some, I'm trying to think, there was a quest I did and you had to help a farmer and you couldn't hear the anger in the farmer's voice. You could tell that the MT was upset and he was grateful for your help. And that was kind of unique to see that side quests have as much emotion as the main quest. Mm. I would like to give a shout out to The Witcher Three, which does have some of the best side quests in gaming. Just I haven't played much oh, of that. <laughs> yeah, it's, but The Witcher Three is one of the greatest RPGs ever made. So to put them in the same company in terms of side quests is a massive compliment to Assassin's Creed. So you know if they, yeah, it's the site. Everything's just great. <laughs> you know, without wanting to sound corny. I mean, and just again, you know, the actual kind of more RPG style loot system. Yes, in past games, obviously, there was, you know, options to buy a new sword or, you know, whatever that t it tells you that the sword does more damage or it's got a better counter rating. But the fact of the matter is, if, you're, if all you're doing is countering, you, everything's a one hit kill anyway. There's no. There's no real point spending money to upgrade your swords because if you know the combat well enough, it's a one-hit kill. Whatever you're using, I, I do agree. Then 
I think Unity is the big one that you kind of think about and kind of realize, yeah. Because all the stats in them, they really didn't do much except just put a star on your meter to show how powerful you were. Yeah, exactly. And Whereas, that, you know, looking back, that's so frustrating to sit to think to think of like the money you'd spend upgrading your weapons when you actually realise at the end of it, oh, I didn't need to do that at all because the combat's so easy that the swords you get at the start of the game, you could easily use those at the end till the end of the game. You know, but the fact that we get weapons here that you know have do have specific damage ratings they have different you know benefits you know stuff like giving you health back when you hit an opponent or you know it bleeds or poison damage and things like that it's all things that you need to consider on a fight by fight basis you know do i want to use two small swords and you know go for a speed or do i need a big heavy weapon here to take on these certain enemies it always it's a game that always kept you on your toes So, I think it's that time of episode where we look at our best bits from the game. Yeah. Uh, you can kick off this one. Um, oh, probably climbing to the top of my first pyramid. <laughs> such and it's such an there. epic moment. You know, especially... Because they weren't easy to climb up. There was obviously routes that you had to take, so it took some figuring out. So you probably you could spend the best part of, you know, 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes just getting to the top. But when you get to the top, boy, you see what world they've created. And it's amazing how you can make a landscape with nothing in it, just rolling deserts, look so beautiful and captivating and just you just want to stare at it. Especially since they added the mirages into the desert. Yeah, it was just, yeah, it was, you know, suitably in Assassin's Creed style epic to kind of climb and park all your way up this huge, you know, structure. But then uh, an unexpected payoff when you get to the top. It's kind of, you get this view of nothing, but it means everything. I agree, and it's a really cool feeling. Um, for me, it, I, I love all their moments, but it has to be the very first intro into the game when Bayek is visiting the first Order of Ancients. Because when you hear his anger in his voice, the emotion, you're already sitting there wanting to know more. And the way he brutally kills that man using the line... Uh, kill everyone that sniffed the air and see where that day you just want to know what happened and see mm. what why is he angry why is what's going on and you suddenly it may give you this big impactful start but it doesn't jump the gun straight away it's still trickle fed all the way through and you by the end of it you get this huge amazing story that started off with such an impactful moment and it's just genius for me Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. So, so as we move to the end, we, it's crunch time now. Ratings. Oh, is it going to be ones? Are we all going to write rating one? <laughs> Do you want to go first or shall I? Well, if I go first, please don't hate me, people. I know I always keep broad mind, but 
I have to give Origins top marks. I can't fault it. It's new. It's fresh. So engaging. And it holds a special place in my heart. And the story never let go. And really hit you in the feels at times. Really did. Evil. <laughs> but yeah, full marks five for me. Well... I then make that clean sweep because it's five out of five from me. Um, you know, it's a real insert name of our series here. It's a real deep dive into an absolutely kind of stunning realization of ancient Egypt. You know, it portrays the different, you know, the many rich kind of cultures they had. There's many genuine characters and entertaining characters in your time there. Probably the best mission variety than any other game in the series so far. Revamped combat that made it thoughtful and a bit of challenge and different weapon types to cater to every situation and they went, you know, all in on the RPG style of things, which you know, you cannot, cannot, and when you do, when you execute it as well as they did, I mean, I just, yeah, they, I just can't. By far and away, the best Assassin's Creed game up to this point. Ooh, there's a lot to live up for on that remark, isn't there? <laughs> up to the point, no spoilers for coming weeks, but when I say up to the point, I mean up to the point of this game's release, it was the best Assassin's Creed game I'd ever seen. I cannot disagree there, and if anyone does disagree, then I'd love to talk to them, because I, I do personally believe that from talking to some friends that maybe there is some points in the game that are overlooked. Um, I've heard people are having trouble with the levelling, the level gating of the world, so I am intrigued to see everyone else's but opinions I think, on the I, game. I kind of, I've seen comments like that as well, but I think that's kind of RPG. You know, there is yeah. a bit of a grind in some areas to get a bit more powerful so you can go to a certain area. It's that's kind of standard fare for an RPG. You kind of you want to go to this place, okay, that's great. You can go there now if you want, you're gonna die. <laughs> go and do some more quests and stuff like that, power yourself up and then you'll be ready. So next week, I mean We'll kind of drop it in now so everyone's aware. Odyssey has been postponed. <laughs> which is kind of a good thing because I'm replaying Odyssey so I can get some more info. <laughs> As you see a pile here, I'm replaying. Um, the reason for that is we're doing something I never thought of doing till Ubisoft Forward. We are doing a pre-deep dive of Valhalla. We're going to... I know I am. I'm going to watch every <laughs> single video. Put it... Don't Put tell it me. right into my veins. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I am obsessed with Valhalla. So the pre-deep dive is going to be a two-parter. Part one is the pre. So we're just going to discuss what we've seen, what we've heard, thoughts and feelings, because when Valhalla comes out, I've pre-ordered, <laughs> I'm ready, that we'll schedule a deep dive to do a full deep dive into Valhalla, but we promise, spoiler-free, yeah, and, and we're not going to do scores <laughs> on the pre-deep dive. <laughs> no, <laughs> imagine that. Yeah. So my score for Valhalla yeah, is 
Common segments that won't be there next week are scores, our favourite bits from the game. <laughs> we can do I don't our favourite bits from the trailers, from what we've seen. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Favourite bits we like so far. So. Oh, so do I. <laughs> Spoiler. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert from me, cats on the boat. (laughs) Get away. We need dogs, (laughs) not cats. I want bingo on my dog. I'm bingo on my boat. (laughs) Right, so that's how we've got time for tonight, guys. So keep an ear out for next week's Deep Dive Valhalla prequel. Kind of excited. Love that name, Valhalla. (laughs) Well, hello. Sorry. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. I will see Thanks, you next guys. week. Bye, guys.